Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Good morning. morning. I want to start with a question, ask you guys a question. What does a farmer, a carpenter, and a city planner have in common? Any guess? Uh, <laughs> they don't have any money. Probably <laughs> no true <truer> words. <laughs> don't we all need more money? Uh, but here's the thing. Here's what I find interesting about those three occupations: is that they are the three main occupations of God in the Scriptures. Think about it. In Genesis. It says, God planted a garden in Eden. And it says, he gave growth to every plant that was in that garden. And then you fast forward the story into the New Testament, and you find God the Son, Jesus, engaged in his earthly father's occupation. Joseph was his earthly father, and Joseph was a carpenter. In fact, in Mark 6, it says Jesus spoke with so much authority. He was teaching the word of God, and people are so used to seeing his carpenter side. He spoke with so much authority. In Mark 6, it says, isn't that the carpenter, dude? <laughs> and you fast forward to the end of the story in Revelation 21. We're given a window into the city of heaven. This city designed by God, in Revelation says, the city is full of brilliance. In Hebrews, it says the architect the, and the designer and builder of this city is God himself. The city of God, our future home. So here's the thing. If you're here today and you work as a, as a farmer, carpenter, or city planner, congratulations. You're most like God. You can go home now. <laughs> Don't leave. You see, you're in the middle of a new fantastic series Pastor Tim is leading, and it's a topic that is so dear to my heart. You know, good job. Your work matters. Your work matters. I need to say it again. Your work matters. This truth is so foundational and core to the very why of our existence. You see, before there was mention of sin in the scripture, we find work. Before there was mention of of sacrifice, work existed. Before there was mention of temple and church, there was work. And God created, God worked, and then he invited Adam and Eve to join him in this thing called work. And we see that in Genesis 1-1, the very beginning of the scriptures. The epic story that you and I belong to begins with this phrase, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God worked. Arguably one of the most important scriptures. That this thing you and I spend most of our week doing, it's not a necessary evil to make a paycheck or just survive. It is good work. It's sacred because God worked and God is good. Work is good. And as the creation story unfolded, I just love it. You see God, uh, day one, he builds He creates the heavens and the earth, steps back, and enjoys his handiwork and goes, yeah, that is good. And then he does it again on Tuesday, builds a bunch of more things, and then steps back and goes, yeah, that is good. And you fast forward the story, he creates you and I and says, well, let's let's create humans, people who can enjoy work like we're enjoying, and go and do the same. Your work is good. Remember that. Your work is good. Your work is sacred. Your work is good. 
It's good to be here this morning. My name is Yemi again. I'm honored to be among you, Miss Pastor Tim. Um, gosh, thank you so much for being back home. This feels like a homecoming. Um, I love this church. I love this body. Um, I have an appreciation for what you have to do every Sunday. This marathon of going back and forth between services. And um, so I, I have you guys as the last service, so I'm just going to go longer. Just kidding. <laughs> I should probably go shorter because I'm tired now. But Tim, thank you for doing this every, every Sunday and bringing the word of God. We really need to show appreciation. It's hard work. This is home. Again, it's good to be back. My daughter was actually baptized on this stage along with Luke Fowler. So it's really special to be back home. Well, when Abby and I started attending here, we had no kids. Now this is what our family looks like. Yeah. And there's another picture of my wife, Abby, and my son, Zion. He's about seven months old. Um, they're great, but they're also a lot of work. Speaking of work. Um, and one last thing I need to mention is Pastor Tim and I serve on the board of Cause I Love You. I feel honored that we get to shepherd this movement God has entrusted to us. COS, I love you. That we get to unite the churches and advance this mission of deploying the churches of our city into this, uh, to, to serve and to love in tangible ways. And you need to know that First Pres is a founder. You guys, this movement won't be, we won't have this movement today without you. Just for context, in, in 2014, 157 of you served in that first city serve day. One church. Last year, 66 churches served. 4,100 people in almost 200 locations across the city making a splash. And many of you are still involved in those places that you serve. And some of you guys have been big supporters and champions and leaders of, um, of this movement. I see you across the room, so I just want to say thank you, thank you, and keep leading the way. Let's dive into our, our, our text for today, Jeremiah 29. If you brought your Bibles, turn to, you, turn to the text, Jeremiah 29, 1, 2, 9. Or you can just read along on the screens. Let's stand together as we read and hear the words of the Lord. The practice of standing when God's word is being read is an ancient practice that not only goes to the ancient church but into the Bible times because when God's word is being read, the people stood as a sign of respect and also as a posture of receiving. Jeremiah 29. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem. To the, surviving exiles, to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests and the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother and the eunuchs and the officials of Judea, Judea and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Helkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, Take wives for your sons and daughters. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city to which I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you find welfare. 
For thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, do not let the prophets and your diviners, diviners um, who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, I'm grateful and humble to be here to unpack your word. I pray that the seed of your word will not return to you empty-handed, but will fall on good soil. Empower the saints of first prayers to see clearly that we live in the light of the gospel, declaring, declaring this truth with our words and embodying truth with our actions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A city at peace. A city whose gates are open to all peoples. A city with a majestic throne. A city with many, many, many mansions. A life-given river going through, providing growth and sustenance. A city made with the finest of infrastructure. The walls are made with jasper and the streets are made with gold. A tree of life better than Eden. A city with no more curses, no more sickness, no cancer, no rheumatoid arthritis. A city where all people of all races, ethnicities, and languages are assembled. A city with singing and joy and laughter. The abolishment of death. This is the city of God. This is heaven and our future home. In Matthew 25, 34, it says, The king would say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. This is the kingdom of heaven prepared for you and I before the world was created. This is our future home. And that's all well and good, but that is not our current reality. So what about now? What do we do about now? The reality is we live on earth. We live in this city, Colorado Springs, and it's plagued with sin and evil and brokenness and sadness and pain and grief and loss. The, The city of heaven, as great as that is, that is far from our current reality today. Pain and suffering seems to be the norm. What you and I endure on a regular basis, you need to know it's not right. It's not God's full intent and plans for us. It's not right. It's not the way God designed it to be. Evil is not right. Pain is not right. Suffering is not right. It's not right. And speaking of not right... I don't know if you've seen those Mint Mobile commercials. You've got to watch this. You really have to watch this. There is sound, but you can also watch the video <laughs> without the sound. That is not right. It's disturbing. Let's watch this next one. Actually, I prefer this one more. That's not right. 
<laughs> I love the expression on that man's face. As you can see, that's not right. It's not right. It's broken. So it's sin. Sin is not right. Sin is a disruption of shalom. It's a disruption of shalom. It's taking what was beautiful and right about God's created world and disrupted it. And it's plagued our earthly cities. So what do we do about now in this reality? What do we do about now? And here's the good news for you, church. The attributes of the city of God are available and accessible right here, right now to you and I. We don't have to wait till we go to heaven. They're available to you and I. You know how I know? We just prayed it. In this prayer called the Lord's Prayer that we pray every Sunday, you know, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. From Matthew 6, 9 to 10, let's read it again. We're just going to do the first part. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. The city of God that is future, the city of God that is in heaven, the city, that city is accessible and available to you and me right here, right now. And it's being built before our very eyes. And here's the, even the better news is that God has invited you and I, the mission of the church is that we get to join God and advance in that kingdom here on earth. That is one of the mission and the purposes of the church is that we get to advance the attributes and the glory of God in the city, in the city of, of heaven here on earth. Isaiah 58, 12 says, you will be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild, renovate, and make the community livable. Again, those are the words from God, that this is our identity. And here's the thing, when we do this well, it's simply more than just fixing and making Colorado Springs a better place. That's great. But here's the great miracle. When we do that, we are giving people a foretaste of heaven. We're pointing and revealing the kingdom coming. We're giving a glimpse. We're pointing to the great city of God whose gates are open to all. A city filled with many mansions and built with the finest of infrastructure materials. A city with no more curses, no more sicknesses, no more cancer. A city with singing, joy, and laughter. That is the true miracle of our work in the city. And this is the truth of Jeremiah 29. The God is speaking to a group of people who are in exile. A little bit of background around this story, around this letter, is that the Babylonians came, went into Israel, physically took God's people from their homeland 800 miles into Babylon against their own will, forced to leave their culture, their way of life, even the pursuit of God to live in this city that is evil and not right. So when they got there, many of them made their homes outside the city gate for the obvious reason. It's a pagan city that's not right. We don't want to touch that. We don't want to be corrupted from that, with that. And see, what, what exile does is to, is to ensure total annihilation of the culture. So the Jews were to immerse themselves for the next two decades in this new city. And they started with the leaders. That's why we had the list of the leaders, the queen mother, folks that we read at the beginning of the letter. So when they got there, they, did, they didn't assimilate. And there were prophets saying, you know what? Tough it out for the next two years. You don't need to engage. 
Because guess what? God is going to send you home. And all heaven breaks loose, and God sends this shocking and disturbing letter to the prophet Jeremiah to his people. Not at all what they wanted to hear. And in this letter, God describes to his people what he wants their relationship to be with this city that is not right. And three things I want to leave you before you leave today. I want to leave with you before you leave today. The first is God sends us into the city. God sends us into the city. It's really, really important. The letter in Jeremiah 29 begins with this address. Let's read it again. I want you to pay attention to the facts of this story. Of this story. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet, sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people. This is how the letter opens. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah sent to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem. We know the facts of the story. So who took the people into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so stay with me. Those are the facts of the story. Now let's read Jeremiah 29.4. God makes this incredible claim. Jeremiah 29.4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I have carried or sent into, ex- into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Wait a minute. Did God just claim credit for the evil that was done to his people? The facts of the story are Nebuchadnezzar took the people, but God just said that I took into exile. And just so that they are clear, there was no confusion around that it was God speaking, let's read Jeremiah 29.7. The letter continues. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you, or I have sent you into exile. Whoa. God is saying to his people, the pure facts of the story is, yes, this evil king and his military forces took you into exile against you and your family's will into the city that is not right, and that is not right, but make no mistake about it. I use those forces. I use your story. And I have purposes behind them. I mean, if we continue reading in Jeremiah 29, this famous passage, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It's important to know that that promise comes, is connected to this command. These are God's plans, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. God is telling his people, I know you're not happy. I know these are the facts. But make no mistake about it, I use those, for, those forces. It's my, it's my doing and I have purposes behind them. Perhaps, um, I don't know where you're at when we think about love for the city. Maybe you're engaged or you're withdrawn or frustrated with the way things are going or indifferent. I don't know your story of how you landed in Colorado Springs. The social or economic factors that brought you here. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's family, maybe it's a a relationship, and sometimes that relationship doesn't work out, and you're here, and you feel stuck. Um, Perhaps you're waiting for the next opportunity to upgrade. Friends, God claims, he's claimed to be in control of your story and the facts of your story, and he's saying, it is him, it is I, it is him who sent you to the city. And make no mistake about it, it is his doing, and he has purposes behind him. Maybe it's your work. I mean, that's our current series. 
I don't know what the facts are into how you landed in your place of work. Maybe it's not ideal, maybe it's frustrating, you're waiting for the next opportunity to upgrade and move. Are you asking why God? God is saying, I know. It was I that sent you there. And I have purposes behind them. God claims to be in control of your story. Number two, seek the shalom of the city. We read this earlier, and so we're going to read the second part of the passage. It says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have sent you into exile. This is Jeremiah 29, 7. And it says, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So pay attention to peace and prosperity and, and, and pray. That's what I'm going to talk about. So when we say peace and prosperity, those two words, they're two English words to describe the Hebrew word we know as shalom. Here's the challenge. It's so difficult to put shalom into words. We use two English words to describe it, and it still does not do justice to the breadth of its meaning. You see, no English word can describe the entire lexical range of the Hebrew word shalom. You see, shalom, one of the most sacred of all Jewish values, means peace. Yes, it means prosperity. It also means thriving. It also means success. It also means flourishing. And in every sector of life, you see, for a city to have shalom, it means the citizens are happy and the neighbors are getting along and helping each other. People in the community live with great mission and purpose. When a city has shalom, people are serving each other. There's reconciliation and unity among the most diverse people. The churches of a city are one when a city has shalom, whether they're Presbyterians, Anglican, Methodist, Baptist, Charismatic, it doesn't, doesn't matter who, they are one. For a city to have shalom, it means there's justice and great prosperity and commerce is thriving and people have money and there's no death. People are physically well and, and healthy. I hope you get it. There is flourishing in every sector of life. And that's where your job matters because God has scattered you in different professions all over this city, not just to work, but to advance shalom because this city cannot flourish without your work. And God is telling his people, seek all of this. This is my mission and purpose for you. And don't stop there. Pray. Pray for your city. Pray for your community. Pray for your neighborhood. Because guess what? I will own that I'm not always passionate about things. Guess what prayer does? When there is no burden, prayer helps create a burden. When there's no love for, prayer helps create a love for. Prayer, what it does is it breaks our heart for the things that breaks God's heart. The third and final, make investments in this city. Make investments in the city. So first, God reminds us that he's in control of your story, and that is he who has sent you to the city. And then God says, you know, the seek the shalom, the total flourishing of the city to which I have sent you. And this is what I love about God. He's a practical God. Well, what does that look like to the people he was speaking with? And he's saying, I want you to make investments. And that's what Jeremiah 29, 5 to 6 comes in. Let's read this again. This is God speaking in this letter to his people. Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. 
You see, these are all long-term investment expressions. As God said these words to his people, they got it. Build houses. And I just want to own that that means something different for you and I. It doesn't have the same meaning as it did in the ancient Israelite culture. When God says build houses, they understood what he, he meant because the imagery there is when you build a house in that time period, it's something you do when you've decided we want to participate in the culture we're building the house in. So you build a house and you organize your lives and your family in a way that benefits the culture you're building a house in. Your time, your talent, your treasures, you're thinking through the impact of what it means to build a house. So the command here from God to his people is make long-term social and economic investments in the city. Friends, I, I don't know how your life is structured in, the, in our city. Um, I don't know if it's guarded. I don't know if it's protected in such a way that you are just unaware, innocent, innocently unaware of the needs of our city. I, if you're like me, I'll confess that, you know, it's easy to go, 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 go all day long, and you're just tired. You're exhausted, and it's just nice at the end of the day to escape into your safe little haven called home. You have no time. Again, you're exhausted. What I find interesting in this story is that the command was given to a group of people. This command in Jeremiah 29 was given to a group of people who were exhausted. It wasn't ideal. The timing wasn't right. They had nothing left to give. Life was hard. Perhaps the invitation to some of you this morning is to reorder your loves and reorder your lives maybe just a little bit. for the sake of the city that God has sent you to. I was fresh out of a leadership development experience. It's called, um, it was sort of like a rite of passage to to becoming a member of the Colorado Springs Leadership Institute. Pastor Tim is a member of this group. It's a group of leaders that are trying to move the city forward in a collaborative fashion. And I got out of the leadership development piece, and I'm officially a member. It was one of our first meetings with the rest of the group. I was having a sidebar conversation with one of the leaders, and I was talking about CityServe. This was about three and a half years ago. And I was bragging about you guys. Here's what the churches of Colorado Springs are doing. It's awesome. Here's the potential. Here's what we see. Here's the impact we've made in dollars and numbers. And I, I, I'm not sure what response I was waiting expected. Maybe a little bit of, you go Colorado Springs churches? Yeah. When that leader looks at me with intensity and without any expression says, well, Yemi, it's about damn time. <laughs> Not this response as expected. If I'm being honest, I was a little hurt. And as I reflected on our conversation, I thought, you know, they're right. It is time. It is time that we are light and life to the city. It is time. I mean, the 
it's okay that the city expects that from us, that we will be a blessing to the city. It's ingrained in the very DNA of who we are as a people of God, as we've read together in the words from the, words from the Lord. It is right that the city should expect that from us. After all, what is our faith for? What is our faith for if it's not to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up wounds and to restore and to rebuild and make the community livable again? You see, when we come to Christ, we have this power in us. And perhaps our coming to Christ is not the moment we arrive, but the beginning and the launching pad to do something with this great power that lives in us. What is your faith for? What is your faith for? What is your faith for? There's an old hymn that you all know that was sung many times, even here at First Res, made popular by the late Reverend Billy Graham. And it's a song that is often connected to conversion or altar call. But when you read the story behind the song, you will soon learn that it's not about conversion and altar calls. And make no mistake about it, that's ultimately what we want. That's ultimately what God seek, seeks. But when you read the story behind this song, you learn that it's a call to take daring risk, bold risk, and step out to do something with your faith. That is an invitation to you this morning. We're going to close with it. And as we sing it, Perhaps you sing the words differently and you embrace it as this invitation from Christ to join him in his mission to advance the glory of God in the city of heaven into the city of Colorado Springs. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let us sing it again. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Lord, we hear your voice saying to us once again, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Lord, I got to believe our response is, here we are, send us. We embrace your call. Once again, the mission of the church to advance heaven on earth. Lord, send us to be life and light for the city. We lay down our comfort for the pearl of great cost. We count it as nothing for the sake of the cross. We pour out our offering of time, talent, and treasure. 
for the sake of our city, Shalom. Consecrate us and set us apart. You are the hope of the cities of the world. Send us, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.